Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life. Hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like, and to let us know His plan for our lives, here on earth and in the hereafter. Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. All right. Glad to be with you once more here on The Bible Live program. Each and every evening, working hard to bring you a flawless, clear reading of the Bible, the book of books. We have read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the book of Joshua, as the people of Israel finished that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness after coming out of Egypt, and Joshua then takes them on into the promised land for 25 years of war, seven to eight years of very intense battle, and then distributing, allotting the land to the various tribes of Israel. With that, we came into the book of Judges, and that's where we are right now. We're going to pick up tonight in chapter 9. As we came into the book of Judges, the tribes of Judah and Simeon lead the other tribes into battle. Caleb is there in chapter 1. Caleb and his daughter Oxaw. He awards his daughter Oxaw in marriage to Othniel, who later on becomes the first of the 12 judges that govern over Israel. The disappointing thing is that Israel fails to drive out the idolatry, the wickedness, the perversion. Instead of driving it out, they compromise with it, and it compromises them as a people. And in chapter 2, then, God revokes the covenant that he made with them, that he would drive the people out. Joshua dies, and a generation comes up that didn't know him, and they fall into serious idolatry. We are in chapter 9 tonight. Right now, though, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment. Psalm 49 tells us it's very important not to trust in worldly possessions. The spiritual trumps the physical. The eternal trumps the temple. Psalm 49. Listen to this, all you people. Pay attention, everyone in the world, high and low, rich and poor. Listen, for my words are wise and my thoughts are filled with insight. I listen carefully to many proverbs and solve riddles with inspiration from a harp. There is no need to fear when times of trouble come, when enemies are surrounding me. They trust in their wealth and boast of great riches. 
yet they cannot redeem themselves from death by paying a ransom to God. Redemption does not come so easily, for no one can ever pay enough to live forever and never see the grave. Those who are wise must finally die, just like the foolish and senseless, leaving all their wealth behind. The grave is their eternal home, where they will stay forever. They may name their estates after themselves, but they leave their wealth to others. They will not last long, despite their riches. They will die like the animals. This is the fate of fools, though they will be remembered as being so wise. Like sheep, they are led to the grave, where death will be their shepherd. In the morning, the godly will rule over them. Their bodies will rot in the grave, far from their grand estates. But as for me, God will redeem my life. He will snatch me from the power of death. So don't be dismayed when the wicked grow rich and their homes become ever more splendid. For when they die, they carry nothing with them. Their wealth will not follow them into the grave. In this life, they consider themselves fortunate and the world loudly applauds their success. But they will die like all others before them and never again see the light of day. People who boast of their wealth don't understand that they will die like the animals. End of reading Psalm 49. You are all I need when I'm surrounded. You are all I This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back, getting ready for our narrative reading for the evening. We're going to continue through the book of Judges, this downward spiral that the people of Israel see. From chapter 2, when finally God revokes the covenant that he made with the people of Israel to drive the people out before them, a generation is raised that does not follow God, does not remember Joshua and those years of commitment and dedication. Then you see the nations that are left in Canaan corrupting, distracting, and tempting the people of Israel away from the worship of the true and living God. Othniel is the first judge. He brought peace for 40 years. And then Ehud, the left-handed fellow, brought freedom from the Moabite oppression in 80 years of peace to the land. Shamgar, mentioned briefly, brought victory over the Philistines and brought some time of release from that oppression. Then in chapter 4, we had Deborah, this tremendous woman of God, and Jael, the one that drove the spike through the head of Sisera, the enemy general. Then in chapter 5, we saw the Song of Deborah, chapters 6 through 9. We get into the story of Gideon. Gideon's story is a long one because it not only covers his freeing Israel from the oppression of the Midianites, but it talks about what happened after he died. His son Abimelech, by his concubine, kills 69 of his 70 other children. It is a mess. And it brings me to the point that I'm trying to say tonight. There's a little bit of a debate about is the Bible to help us to live here on planet Earth better, or is it all about heaven and about glory and about eternity? There is no doubt about it. The Bible tells us how to live here, but all the commandments, all of the advice and counsel that we get from the Bible are for redeemed people. 
people who have the power of God at work within them to live like the Bible tells us to live. The spiritual is so crucial, and we're seeing that with the people of Israel. They cannot live in peace. They cannot experience prosperity and stability apart from the people as a whole submitting to God and knowing God in that personal way we talk about all the time. The Bible Life. Judges 9.50 through 13.25. Judges 9. Then Abimelech attacked the city of Thebes and captured it, but there was a strong tower inside the city, and the entire population fled to it. They barricaded themselves in and climbed up to the roof of the tower. Abimelech followed them to attack the tower, but as he prepared to set fire to the entrance, a woman on the roof threw down a millstone that landed on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. He said to his young armor-bearer, Draw your sword and kill me. Don't let it be said that a woman killed Abimelech. So the young man stabbed him with his sword, and he died. When Abimelech's men saw that he was dead, they disbanded and returned to their homes. Thus God punished Abimelech for the evil he had done against his father by murdering his seventy brothers. God also punished the men of Shechem for all their evil. So the curse of Jotham, son of Gideon, came true. Judges 10 After Abimelech's death, Tola, the son of Pua and descendant of Dodo, came to rescue Israel. He was from the tribe of Issachar, but lived in the town of Shamir in the hill country of Ephraim. He was Israel's judge for 23 years. When he died, he was buried in Shamir. After Tola died, a man from Gilead named Jair judged Israel for 22 years. His 30 sons rode around on 30 donkeys, and they owned 30 towns in the land of Gilead, which are still called the towns of Jair. When Jair died, he was buried in Canaan. Again the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They worshipped images of Baal and Ashtoreth, and the gods of Aram, Sidon, Moab, Ammon, and Philistia. Not only this, but they abandoned the Lord and no longer served Him at all. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and He handed them over to the Philistines and the Ammonites, who began to oppress them that year. For eighteen years they oppressed all the Israelites east of the Jordan River in the land of the Amorites, that is, in Gilead. The Ammonites also crossed to the west side of the Jordan and attacked Judah, Benjamin, and Ephraim. The Israelites were in great distress. Finally they cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you because we have abandoned you as our God and have served the images of Baal. The Lord replied, Did I not rescue you from the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Maonites? When they oppressed you, you cried out to me, and I rescued you. Yet you have abandoned me and served other gods. So I will not rescue you any more. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them rescue you in your hour of distress. But the Israelites pleaded with the Lord and said, We have sinned. Punish us as you see fit. Only rescue us today from our enemies. Then the Israelites put aside their foreign gods and served the Lord, and he was grieved by their misery. At that time the armies of Ammon had gathered for war and were camped in Gilead, preparing to attack Israel's army at Mizpah. The leaders of Gilead said to each other, Whoever attacks the Ammonites first will become ruler over all the people of Gilead. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Judges 11 Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. 
Gilead's wife also had several sons, and when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a large band of rebels following him. At about this time the Ammonites began their war against Israel. When the Ammonites attacked, the leaders of Gilead sent for Jephthah in the land of Tob. They said, Come and be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to them, Aren't you the ones who hated me and drove me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Because we need you, they replied. If you will lead us in battle against the Ammonites, we will make you ruler over all the people of Gilead. Jephthah said, If I come with you, and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me ruler over all the people? The Lord is our witness, the leaders replied. We promise to do whatever you say. So Jephthah went with the leaders of Gilead, and he became their ruler and commander of the army. At Mizpah, in the presence of the Lord, Jephthah repeated what he had said to the leaders. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammon, demanding to know why Israel was being attacked. The king of Ammon answered Jephthah's messengers, When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they stole my land from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River and all the way to the Jordan. Now then, give back the land peaceably. Jephthah sent this message back to the Ammonite king. This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not steal any land from Moab or Ammon. When the people of Israel arrived at Kadesh on their journey from Egypt, after crossing the Red Sea, they sent messengers to the king of Edom asking for permission to pass through his land. But their request was denied. Then they asked the king of Moab for similar permission, but he wouldn't let them pass through either. So the people of Israel stayed in Kadesh. Finally, they went around Edom and Moab through the wilderness. They traveled along Moab's eastern border and camped on the other side of the Arnon River, but they never once crossed the Arnon River into Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled from Heshbon, asking for permission to cross through his land to get to their destination. But King Sihon didn't trust Israel to pass through his land. Instead, he mobilized his army at Jahaz and attacked them. But the Lord, the God of Israel, gave his people victory over King Sihon. So Israel took control of all the land of the Amorites who lived in that region, from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River, and from the wilderness to the Jordan. So you see, it was the Lord, the God of Israel, who took away the land from the Amorites and gave it to Israel. Why then should we give it to you? You keep whatever your God Chemosh gives you, and we will keep whatever the Lord our God gives us. Are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he try to make a case against Israel for disputed land? Did he go to war? No, of course not. But now, after three hundred years, you make an issue of this? Israel has been living here all this time, spread across the land from Heshbon to Aror, and in all the towns along the Arnon River. Why have you made no effort to recover it before now? I have not sinned against you. Rather, you have wronged me by attacking me. Let the Lord, who is judge, decide today which of us is right, Israel or Ammon. But the king of Ammon paid no attention to Jephthah's message. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. At that time the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he went throughout the land of Gilead and Manasseh, including Mizpah and Gilead, and led an army against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He said, If you give me victory over the Ammonites, 
I will give to the Lord the first thing coming out of my house to greet me when I return in triumph. I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. So Jephthah led his army against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave him victory. He thoroughly defeated the Ammonites from Aurora to an area near Mineth, twenty towns, and as far away as abel Karamim. Thus Israel subdued the Ammonites. When Jephthah returned home to Mizpah, his daughter, his only child, ran out to meet him, playing on a tambourine and dancing for joy. When he saw her, he tore his clothes in anguish. My daughter, he cried out, my heart is breaking. What a tragedy that you came out to greet me, for I have made a vow to the Lord and cannot take it back. And she said, Father, you have made a promise to the Lord. You must do to me what you have promised. For the Lord has given you a great victory over your enemies, the Ammonites. But first let me go up and roam in the hills and weep with my friends for two months, because I will die a virgin. You may go, Jephthah said, and he let her go away for two months. She and her friends went into the hills and wept because she would never have children. When she returned home, her father kept his vow, and she died a virgin. So it has become a custom in Israel for young Israelite women to go away for four days each year to lament the fate of Jephthah's daughter. Judges 12 Then the tribe of Ephraim mobilized its army and crossed over to Zaphon. They sent this message to Jephthah. Why didn't you call for us to help you fight against Ammon? We are going to burn down your house with you in it. I summoned you at the beginning of the dispute, but you refused to come, Jephthah said. You failed to help us in our struggle against Ammon. So I risked my life and went to battle without you. And the Lord gave me victory over the Ammonites. So why have you come to fight me? The leaders of Ephraim responded, The men in Gilead are nothing more than rejects from Ephraim and Manasseh. So Jephthah called out his army and attacked the men of Ephraim and defeated them. Jephthah captured the shallows of the Jordan, and whenever a fugitive from Ephraim tried to go back across, the men of Gilead would challenge him. Are you a member of the tribe of Ephraim? they would ask. If the man said, No, I'm not, they would tell him to say Sheboleth. If he was from Ephraim, he would say Sheboleth, because people from Ephraim cannot pronounce the word correctly. Then they would take him and kill him at the shallows of the Jordan River. So 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at that time. Jephthah was Israel's judge for six years. When he died, he was buried in one of the towns of Gilead. After Jephthah, Ibzan became Israel's judge. He lived in Bethlehem, and he had thirty sons and thirty daughters. He married his daughters to men outside his clan, and brought in thirty young women from outside his clan to marry his sons. Ibzan judged Israel for seven years. When he died, he was buried at Bethlehem. After him, Elon from Zebulun became Israel's judge. He judged Israel for ten years. When he died, he was buried at Aij Elon in Zebulun. After Elon died, Abdon, son of Hillel, from Pirathon, became Israel's judge. He had forty sons and thirty grandsons who rode on seventy donkeys. He was Israel's judge for eight years. Then he died and was buried at Pirathon in Ephraim, in the hill country of the Amalekites. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Judges 13. Again, the Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines, who kept them in subjection for forty years. 
In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will rescue Israel from the Philistines. The woman ran and told her husband, A man of God appeared to me. He was like one of God's angels, terrifying to look at. I didn't ask where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he told me, You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, or eat any forbidden food. For your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord. He said, Lord, please let the man of God come back to us again and give us more instructions about this son who is to be born. God answered his prayer, and the angel of God appeared once again to his wife as she was sitting in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her. So she quickly ran and told her husband, The man who appeared to me the other day is here again. Manoah ran back with his wife and asked, Are you the man who talked to my wife the other day? Yes, he replied, I am. So Manoah asked him, When your words come true, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord replied, Be sure your wife follows the instructions I gave her. She must not eat grapes or raisins, drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, or eat any forbidden food. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please stay here until we can prepare a young goat for you to eat. I will stay, the angel of the Lord replied, but I will not eat anything. However, you may prepare a burnt offering as a sacrifice to the Lord. Manoah didn't realize it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah asked the angel of the Lord, What is your name? For when all this comes true, we want to honor you. Why do you ask my name, the angel of the Lord replied? You wouldn't understand if I told you. Then Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And as Manoah and his wife watched, the Lord did an amazing thing. As the flames from the altar shot up toward the sky, the angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell with their faces to the ground. The angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized it was the angel of the Lord, and he said to his wife, We will die, for we have seen God. But his wife said, If the Lord were going to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering and grain offering. He wouldn't have appeared to us and told us this wonderful thing and done these miracles. When her son was born, they named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And in Mahane Dan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtaol, the Spirit of the Lord began to take hold of him. End of reading, Judges 9.50 through 13.25 No doubt it'll be alright With God it'll all work together for good No doubt in the end it will be understood This is the Bible live. Thou shalt not go away. 
Notice that Jephthah is recruited because of being a great warrior, but he preferred to talk first. In almost all of his battles, he made diplomatic approaches first. He tried to talk to his enemy. He tried to reason with his enemies. When that failed, he then was a very capable military leader. He judges Israel for six years. He delivered them from oppression by the Ammonites there on the east side of the Jordan. As we opened our reading tonight, Abimelech is finishing out his rule and reign. A very shameful time, a very wicked time on the part of Israel. He killed 69 of his half-brothers. That's the way he gained power. Jotham, the surviving son, announced a curse over him in earlier chapters. And now we see Abimelech appropriately receiving the results of that curse and the results of his shameful life. Here we are thousands of years later reading that he was killed by this woman. Then in chapter 10, we find out about this man named Tola. We don't read a whole lot about him. Or Jair. Both of them ruled uh, one 23 years and the second 22 years. Jair had 30 sons who rode around on 30 donkeys. That was a sign of wealth, of prominence. Who knows, maybe his sons assisted him in ruling over the tribes and they traveled in that way. We don't see donkeys perhaps as the sign of prominence and prosperity that they did at that time. Cars nowadays are called Impala and Mustang. None of them are called Chevrolet donkeys. <laughs> I don't guess. Probably in the military they've been called donkeys for many years or something worse. Then in chapter 11 we come to this individual, Jephthah, the central figure of our reading tonight. The son of a prostitute. I feel a certain kinship with Jephthah. Many of you know something of my story. I was born out of wedlock, abandoned at birth, and picked up by a fortune teller who may well have dabbled in prostitution. But all of that is beyond my control, just as this was beyond Jephthah's control. He should not be blamed for it or penalized, but he was. He was cast out because of it. Obviously, he was somewhat of a leader. He gained some prowess and reputation as a warrior. So they come to him when they're in trouble. Jephthah's time is coming somewhere near the 300-year mark. So this is deep into the reign of the judges. The time has been going by, and we're approaching the end of it. Samson is the last of the judges, and we introduced him in our reading tonight. After we read the book of Ruth, we'll go back to the New Testament and read the Gospel of Luke. Then we'll come back and pick up with Samuel, who is the bridging character between the time of the judges and the time of the kings. Some consider Samuel the last of the judges. He then inaugurates and crowns the first of the kings, King Saul. We see this rash vow on Jephthah's part. We don't know why he did this, and we don't know with absolute certainty what happened to the daughter. I have to admire the daughter. She said, you made that promise to God. You need to keep your word. Wow. And then this civil war between Ephraim and Jephthah. I have no idea why the people of Ephraim were so angry at Jephthah. He had won a great battle, but they were jealous, I suppose. We are continuing on through the story of these... Judges of Israel, this um, remarkable time, God would raise up a leader. Someone would surface as a leader with the strength, the capability, whether it be administrative capability or military capability, warrior capability. Always had to do with military capability, I suppose. That was a required skill that they had. We're seeing here, though, that the spiritual is so important. So you can have all the rules, all the stability, all the great commerce, and all the great uh, economy, but if you don't have that spiritual foundation, things will crumble. We'll talk the about Bible Samson Live next with time. Sophie Dollar. 
Soapy Reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word. 